The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Und was der Fichtel uns jetzt gleich sagen wird, das werden wir uns anhören mit von der Party die Woodies. We regrettably interrupt fishing with guns with this special news bulletin. Oompa, loompa, doompa, daddy. If you are wise, you'll listen to... Kevin Gassman. A giant, hairy creature. Part ape, part man. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. Your pregame announcer. Your pop scene sensation. Gassman. Gassman. One of the carbon blobs from Sanger 7G. Some people have said that you're retarded. Not me. And I can't say that I have ever done that before, but if you've ever been called retarded, you might not know it then. <laughs> I guess. I'm, on, I'm just, you know, whatever. What's up, everybody? How you guys doing? My name's Kevin Gassman, hanging out with you here on this Saturday afternoon and the show that is listened to right now. <laughs> that was so bad. And the show that is listened to, so, right, whatever. Um, yeah, so this is going global with gas. Man. <laughs> That's Heidi Gad. We're hanging out with you for the next couple hours, and it's going to be a great show because uh, not just the first hour is this, we don't know what the hell is going to go on, but the second hour. <laughs> the second hour, aliens. Yeah, with gas. <laughs> so it's actually, we have an author on the uh, that'll be on our show, Mark O'Connell, who wrote the book, The Close Encounters Man, which is about Dr. Alan, Dr. J. Allen Hynek. And if you know the Close Encounters movie, um, maybe just the in fact that there's a Close Encounters Numbers system. Right. Close like, Encounters of the Third Kind is the film. Right. And there's the Steven second kind. Spielberg. So we're going to go through all that with this author next hour. So I'm looking forward to that. That's a little bit later on, though. But we got to get through this one first. Right. And this and one. Kevin's yeah. going to try to form complete sentences. <laughs> well, no, it's the thing is that when I destructure a sentence, at least I try to go through it and then maybe save myself out of it, you know, see if I can grammatically save myself. <laughs> That's the thing about radio, though. You know, nobody cares. There's no grammatical error. There's no red pins in radio. <laughs> come up with your own shit and say your own thing. That's pretty much what it's all about. I have to do a comedy show tonight, and it's, I guess it's NC-17, but I'm not going to do my dirty material tonight. Oh, so you can't tell the wee joke? The wee joke? <laughs> Well, I'll do, I can do weed. Weed's not really no, like... No, the one about the oh, weed. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> that one I cannot do. And I even have another joke, and I don't care. I'll say it here because it's just one of my jokes. I said I... And I, th- I was thinking about this one as my opener, but I don't think I'm going to do it. I said, I rented the latest Godzilla, and it sucks so much, I just fast-forwarded to the good parts, and then I realized that I'm watching Godzilla the same way I watch porn. <laughs> 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 So that, I'm not even going to do that one. <laughs> I think I'm going to do my Q-tip joke. 
<laughs> nice and safe. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, it's funny when you do use Q-tips, though, this isn't the joke. I'm just thinking this is in general. <laughs> There's a couple things that you you can, you know, that you do to yourself that, that feel really good. Q-tipping is one of those things, right? right. <laughs> so when you put that thing in your ear, it, oh, it feels so good. They call it eargasms. People enjoy it. <laughs> but then it, like, it doesn't last long, and then it starts to hurt. Right. Right. Then if you pull, you're doing it too hard. Well, but it's, yeah, if you just do it too long, period. <laughs> So it feels good at first until it starts to hurt, but we always take it to that point where it starts to hurt. And another part of your body where you do that too is your asshole. <laughs> when you have an itchy ass, it feels fucking good to scratch it until it goes too far. <laughs> That's so bad. <laughs> I'm just saying, oh, there's two people out in the world that will never out themselves. Like, you know, like in comedy, they always say like, hey, where are my married people at? Where are my, you know, single people at? People cheer and clap and there's two, key, there's two types of people that won't do, they won't out themselves. Yeah. Um, booger eaters. <laughs> <laughs> people do that and, like as adults? And men with small penises. <laughs> okay, like, where are my men with small penises at? Where are my men? No, it's chirping. There's nothing but crickets right there. <laughs> that you'll never, where are my booger eaters at? Nobody, never going to do it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know where that trait comes from. I, I think it has to be a parent, a parental thing. I think you have to watch your dad do it or your mom do it. <laughs> and you have to try it. <laughs> you know, remember that little drug commercial? What are you doing? Where'd you learn how to do that? I learned it from you, dad. I learned it by watching you, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Booger eaters. <laughs> Let's make a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> this is a variety show, by the way. People listening in go, what the hell are you, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> We're just got to get through 50 minutes here before we can bring on some aliens. But yeah, I'm just saying, it's like people who pick their nose, it's like, <laughs> what would possess you to put that in your mouth? <laughs> I don't get it. I mean, it has to be like an accident. I think maybe when you're a kid, you're crying and, you know, dropped in your mouth and like, what was that? Oh my God, I'm <laughs> about to barf right now. <laughs> How do people come up? I don't know. I just, it, it, I've never decided to take anything out of my body and put it back in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> so gross. We, this is the oh. Turd of the Punch Bowl show on the radio, by the way. <laughs> We're the only show of its kind on the Voice America Variety <laughs> Channel. Everyone's trying to help people to get, become better at themselves, and right. we're just the, the break from all that. Yeah. <laughs> the reality check. Yeah, the reality check. I did write some stuff down I, I want to talk about, I was, but we'll get into it. I don't want to... Get you all know. serious right now. Well, not just that. Yeah, I, I don't want to blow my load too early. <laughs> <laughs> you can't use that joke tonight either. No, I can't use that. No, no. It's, um, yeah. I'm kind of sad. I'm, I might even, I'm, I don't know. I'll, I'll figure out my set list. I'll let you guys know too. <laughs> not. <laughs> you have to come out and see me. It's a, fri- it's, a, it's a free show tonight, actually. But in a couple of weeks, I'm doing a, a not, I don't want to call it headlining. It's a, I'm actually going to be the last in line <laughs> kind of thing. The last one up. And it's going to be Friday the 13th. It's in North Phoenix. If you are in town and you want to go, well, you can just find me online. Uh, just find me, uh, Kevin Gassman or drivingwithgas.com. There's two S's there. That's my website. I don't have one for the Going Global page. But um, I do have a Facebook for Going Global. So if you want to find that too, you can hit me up there. Um, there is a fee to pay that you will have to see me do comedy. So yes, it's not a free wow. show. Yeah, people are going to have to pay to see me. I'm, I'm excited about that. It's awesome. Moving <laughs> up in the world. <laughs> Not too many times. Well, it's kind of like, you know, when bands play a lot, they never get paid. And it's right. kind of like when you I have know. that, you know, money in your hand for doing something you love to do, it really mean, it means a lot. Yeah. I mean, it really does. People should be paid for their craft, especially if you're entertaining them. Right. You know? 
So it's worth a couple bucks. You think it would be. I think, you know, I don't know if covered charges work anymore. I mean, maybe they do. Maybe they scare people away. But what about maybe a tip jar? You know, like, <laughs> should bands have tip jars? They don't really see tip jars for bands, do they? I it? used to put a tip jar out when I played when I was younger. Yeah, like, in my, like how young? Um, from the time I was like 17 to probably 27, I would always okay. have a tip jar out. Were you, were you busking? No, dude. I'd be like a big fish pub or Boston's Hollywood Alley. I just go throw a tip jar up there. You're like, here you go, suckers. And it works, right? Yeah. Of course it does. We'll get money. Right. Well, the band would get money. We'd split it. We usually just use it on booze, though, <laughs> back then. I, not when I was under 21. Disclaimer, disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. <laughs> times were different then. All right. Well, times are different now. That's true. They're scary now. But they do have a lot of, I don't know, I pay, well, I don't pay to get into places. I'm usually on a list, not till you know brag but (laughs) (laughs) i have friends but uh, there's a but people pay though you know they get in especially those fetish shows those fetish bands yeah you talk about that yeah Yeah. the the fetish fests and stuff yeah i have to go to that (laughs) i might might find a woman there (laughs) maybe her fetish is middle-aged men on the radio so the last one i was at (laughs) a couple weeks ago yeah there was a girl there i think i might have showed you a picture but she lets people staple dollar bills to her Uh, butt wonderful yeah, she seemed to like it. All the guys definitely liked it. <laughs> sure. Anywhere? <laughs> Just on her butt. Just on her butt. Yeah. yeah. And uh, me and another guy friend of mine were standing there like, dude, that's just not worth the money. Yeah. It's just not worth I it. I know. I was like, what kind of guys? See, it's like going to a strip club. It's like, you're, you're just, I don't know what yeah. you're doing this for. You know, personal, like you, you can sleep better at night, you know, that you saw some women dance naked in front of you. It's like, a, you know, it's just like a fun thing for them to do. For the girl. Uh, for the girl and for the guy, <laughs> for I the guess. Guy. Well, I mean, she like walked out of there probably like at least 50 extra bucks. Right. But I'm just like, dude, I hope she dipped those uh, staples in iodine before. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Bring your own staple night? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't happening? No, she had her own staples. I was just like, oh, right. did you dip those in iodine before you let these people like staple dollar bills to your butt? And what'd she say? Because money is dirty. She didn't say anything. It was more of a joke. Oh, you should have said something. <laughs> Scare the shit out of her. <laughs> All right, I got a song from Mike Pinto. He's from San Diego, and actually he's originally from Philadelphia, but he lives in San Diego. So really cool reggae music. This one's kind of fun, though. It's not really reggae, but it's reggae beat feel to it. I don't know what you would call it, like a rock reggae, but, but this song is kind of a little different than normal. It's a really fun song. It's called Knocked Up. <laughs> so take a listen to this we'll be back right here it's the voiceamerica.com variety channel it's Saturday we're here till 5pm pacific time going global with gas man Betty got knocked up Mike Pinto and knocked up <laughs> I dig that one it's kind of ska-esque that's the unclean version by the way Oh, it's unclean. <laughs> he had a potty mouth. Uh, you are going global with Gas Man here on this Saturday afternoon. It's 3.17, and we're hanging out with you in the Pacific time zone, and we are here till 5 p.m. Heidi Gad, myself, Kevin Gasman, we're getting ready for our Alien show next hour, and author Mark O'Connell will be joining us, and he'll, he wrote a book called The Close Encounters Man. Yeah. And it's, it's about... biography about J. Allen Hynek. And this guy, I mean, it's, you talk about like a Stanton Freeman. I mean, this guy yeah. is in that kind of, it's in that same class. Project in a sense. Blue Book. Right. Um, 
Science, well, Project Science yeah. first, then Project Blue Book. So, yep. so this guy has been there at the very beginning. Yeah. And Mark O'Connell wrote about him. So we're we're, we're going to get into this full-on discussion next hour. I'm, I'm so excited to um, have that. Me too. Although the last two weeks, we've been hitting up some rock and roll stars. I know. And next Saturday, I'm really excited about it. We're going to have a <laughs> kick-ass rock and roll star <laughs> on the Alien Show next week. And if you know the band Vanilla Fudge, if you know Rod Stewart, if you know Ozzy Osbourne, well, he's drummed for all three of those. In fact, yeah. he was the original founder of Vanilla Fudge. Carmine Apice is going to be joining us next week. So Woo-hoo. I know. Not, and not only that is, you know, the person who's hooking me up with this, and his name's John. He's a really cool dude. And he's like, yeah, let me find out if these guys want to talk aliens. <laughs> and he's like, he'd love to talk aliens, man. I'm like, well, all right, very cool. So he might have some really cool stuff. I'm sure he will. I mean, yeah. I mean, you got 40, 40, 50, almost 50 years of touring. Yeah, dude. You're out there late at night, <laughs> right. down to see something. Yeah, and uh, what's interesting is I actually interviewed his brother. Oh, really? Vinny Apice, another drummer, heavy metal drummer. Yeah, so I'm going to get to do both wow. drummers. Yeah, so I'm very excited. Full circle. Although the Vinny was in person, this will be by phone. Yeah. Until they come to Phoenix. Which they will. So I was watching last night, and What Would You Do was on. Oh, yeah. I love that <laughs> That's show. That's a fun show. It's pretty cool. Sometimes I just start yelling at that show. <laughs> people, they make me so angry. When they're just like causing the stir? Well, when the people aren't doing what they should be doing, you know, you got to step up. Right. Do what you're supposed to do. There could be like an alternative version of What Would You Do. Just call it stirring shit. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's all they're doing. Right. So they're creating a scene where people can come out and, and either do, you know, come out of their comfort zone out in public and break into a private conversation between right. two other people or whatever it is or a public conversation because they're usually set in public you know, yeah. um, situations, restaurants, markets, and what have you. So I thought, what, how weird would it be maybe if, uh, what would you do would have like a presidential version? <laughs> <laughs> So I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, why isn't John Quinones having hasn't come out yet? Is this really how you would be behave as a president? This is just, <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like I don't know, man. This crossed my mind last night. <laughs> uh, well, I think we're just we're witnessing some of that right now. Right, right. We're we're seeing a lot of more because hey, remember the bots we we're talking about those bots that are online. Right. It's become proven now. At least the ads have been proven to be bought by Russian companies. <laughs> <laughs> that have been promoting advertisements on Facebook, yeah. stories and promoting false stories. The bots, I think, all all are a part of that, you know. And uh, it's obviously, you know, one by one, all this truth is going to start coming out. Yeah, you know, you, you, something like this, you can't, you know, you, you you can't dismiss it right away just because you don't like it and doesn't fit your views. You know, you have to really let this thing ride out and see what's going on. I think Priebus and and who's the old uh, speaker was. Um, Spencer or Spicer, both of those guys have, have been subpoenaed. So, I mean, everyone's getting, you know. <laughs> it's coming. It is. It is. I think it's just a matter of time. I think that, so it's almost like he knows it, you know. I feel like he's going, what's the guy has to do to be president to get kicked out of here, you know. <laughs> I, I just feel like he has that, like, oh, let me try this and <laughs> see what happens. Right. Let me tell all these dreamers that they can't stay in this country anymore. Ugh. You know what else he said? Hmm. He said that he thinks churches should get FEMA money. What? Yeah. Huh. Now think about that for a minute. What? Uh, <laughs> <did>, seriously? <laughs> he did. He tweeted that. Oh my gosh! See, I don't, he oh literally God. tweeted that. Yeah. He's. <laughs> I, I can't even make a sentence now. Now who can't make a sentence? How amazing is that for this man to come out and say something like that? 
Dude. I mean, this is something, you know, that Job Schmo would say, <laughs> not the president of the United States, knowing that these people do not, these churches do not contribute anything to our tax system. Right. Yet they should not receive any money from the tax system. Ugh. I don't know how simple-flied you need to have that laid out in front of you. If you don't pay, you don't get to play. Right. Period. End of story. Yeah. You're on your own, sucker. That's what a 501c3 is. Like, shouldn't they have, if they've been managing their money correctly, they should have a bunch of money to, I don't know, help the people, which is what they're supposed to be doing with the money, helping the people. You would think. I would think. There's that one, that one church that, that big guy, he like. Yeah, Joel Olstein. Yeah, he like shut it down and right. stuff. Can you imagine now him getting money from the government? Oh, dude. Have you seen his, they, what supposedly is his house on, on Facebook? Yeah. So this is what Donald Trump said. Lay it on me. <sighs> Stupid advertisements. I did not agree. Look, I got three advertisements popping up. Ooh, I just saw Krispy Kreme. <laughs> I want a see, donut. <laughs> you did see Krispy Kreme. My whole screen is one advertisement and I can't X out of it. <laughs> All right, here we go. That sounds like a country song. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody write country music? Write that song for us right now. <laughs> I'm trying to get out of my X. All right, so uh, Donald Trump said churches in Texas should be entitled to reimbursement from FEMA relief funds for helping victims of Hurricane Harvey just like others. And they should pay taxes just like others. He didn't say that, but Hmm. just the audacity to say this. Again, I think he's just doing these things just to, like, see how far he can go before he gets kicked out. (laughs) I really do. I just feel like that's what's happening. Okay, so... If that's the case, then what about all those people that, you you know, you saw the line of vehicles of people who just dropped what they were doing with their boats out of the kindness of their hearts and drove over there and waited for like 10 plus hours to get to a spot where they could unload their boat and go help people. Those people aren't asking for any money. Right. They don't want FEMA money for helping those people. Right. They don't care. Right. They just did it because it's the right thing to do. It's a what would you do right. situation. Well, it's like that guy at the mattress store, Max right. Mattresses, whatever. Yeah, he took in everybody. Guy, that guy should get FEMA money. Yeah. And Not he, churches. And he would never me? ask for it because he's got plenty of money. Right. It's important to give back when you have. Right. What it's a, necessary. What a terrible idea <laughs> to even Ugh. bring up. As a president of the United States, knowing farewell, these people do not pay taxes. Right. Yeah, they help out. I agree. That's what they. That's what they, if that's what they want to do. Right. They, can, they don't have to do anything. It's a church, and they get their money from people who attend the church. Right. And that's that's how you get funded. That's how you get funded. Mm-hmm. If you want government money, then pay up. Those people decide Sorry. to give them money, and in hopes that they do the right thing with that money. Right. So. Well, the thing is, our churches are so influential these days, anyway. With people, even though people are leaving the church in mass numbers. They're still very influential on who they preach to. So they are involved in our politics, whether we like it or not. Right. The separation is, is bogus. Yeah. It's, it's just a, it's a nice thing to say, but for real, it doesn't. Because when the whole Republican Party panders to a religious sector of our country, right. and that's all they want to you know, promote is their ideals, which makes me wonder, too, because, you know, it's like, if, you know, what, what is it to you, what I do? You know, right. why does it bother you so much that I have to live my life the way you live your life? Exactly. I don't, I've never gotten that. And, you know, and I've never sense. gotten that as a kid. I've always questioned authority as a kid. It could be the pot. But <laughs> I, uh, 
But even <sighs> religion at the time when I was young, it always confused me because everyone was different and it didn't make sense why they would always why they would go to different places. It's like, aren't we all the same people? Aren't we all mm-hmm. human? I mean, why? Because you think this way, you're going to treat me less differently? Right, and then we have free will, so it's part of... And even if you believe in, like, you know... Well, they shouldn't... I mean, I, I, maybe it's a moralistic thing for them wanting to have everybody live the same way. Right. You know, so why don't they just go to Alabama and do that, you know? Yeah. We'll give you <laughs> Alabama. And Mississippi. <laughs> I mean, we'll give you that. Just right. stay there and do your thing. Right? Leave us the fuck alone. <laughs> yeah. Just leave us the fuck alone. It's none of your fucking business. <laughs> yeah. Cause what we do with ourselves. Have, yeah. Because people have let, they have lessons to learn. And if you believe in like karma or past lives and all of that stuff, like maybe every single person that's put here has whatever lesson to learn so they can be better in their next lifetime, right. whether that lifetime is here or on an extraterrestrial <laughs> planet. Um, or maybe you're just a piece of dust in space after this because you're such a piece of crap. <laughs> That's what I like to think you happens at least to those people. Become some lesser form of life when you come back in your next round. Yeah, like you are so lame. Right. We're gonna vacuum seal you. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna be a in piranha space. in a fishbowl. Is where you're gonna be. Yeah. That's what I always say. May your next life be a piranha in a fishbowl. <laughs> Actually, let me say this again. That was the worst thing ever. Let me, I'm going to totally re- <laughs> just forget what I said. I totally left out the, the main part of that whole thing. <laughs> Scratch, take two. Here we go. May your next life be a goldfish in a piranha bowl. <laughs> How about that? That's better. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's what I meant to say. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's how karma works. I would say, you you know, once you're a human, maybe you're just always going to be a human. Maybe. You know, if you're a dog, you're always going to be a dog, you know. <laughs> that's the karma, the we karma circle, know. the karma tree. I don't know either, but, um, yeah. Hmm. Not cool, though, man. It's just, it's just, it sucks to impose your beliefs on someone else, and that's really what they're doing with our government. They're trying to impose their beliefs through the systems of law. And and it's not going to jive. And right now, of course, because seventy percent of this country is not digging what is in Washington D.C. No, seventy percent, and that's why there's a lot of uproar, a lot of upheaval, and which is interesting because every single Trump fan will always say that Obama was the worst and he divided this country. Okay, well, if he divided our country, then for eight years, where were you? Right. All of a sudden, your guys in house, and now you, yeah, now it's divided. Now you're telling us it's divided. You're safe. This is your safe space to come out and say you're now divided for eight years. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't add up to say that he was the most divisive president. Yeah, now that he's out of office, now all the shit breaks out. Yeah, they're in like some weird bubble. It is. It's a weird bubble. And I've even had like, uh, you know, I know people who are super Trump fans, and that's fine, whatever you want to believe that. But they're like going on about the dreamers and stuff and like they should have to do this and pay taxes i'm like they do pay taxes they're not you know it's i saw a thing that was like um 100 percent of them are um crime free right and you know furthermore when you're a child like you don't have any choice if you're okay so you're a child and you get really abused that's your fault it's not your fault it's the same with anything 
you, right. This, you, you have start. no choice. You didn't choose yeah. to be here. You got brought here. Yeah. Your family's poor. You right. don't get to eat food every day. That's your fault. Well, it's, it's not your fault. And it's fucked up because, you know, the whole administration is just turning into the old man down the street, you know, right. get out of my fucking neighborhood. You know, that's pretty much what what he's become. And I'll, t- I'll tell you one thing. He does not represent me. Washington, D.C. does not represent mm-hmm. me. He never has. But even more so, the human that is supposedly our president at this moment right. does not represent me, nor do his actions at all. I mean, this is something that's so disgusting and unnecessary. Yeah. And that's the problem I have with this guy. It's just unnecessary. He's, he's doing things he doesn't have to do. Yeah. That's the problem with this guy. He's going out of his way to do shit, to stir shit. Yeah. And that's that's what I have a problem with this. He's not focused on anything. Yeah. And if it's not about him or the size of his crowds, yeah. you know, it's just... And he would go to other countries when he was before he was president, how he'd be in other countries and, you know, basically use slave labor. Right. You know, and it's like and that's the other thing. It's like a lot of the people here that fall under this thing, their um, their families are tradespersons. So they do they and they a lot of them do very fantastic work. And so for not a lot of money. So what's gonna? So what's the next complaint gonna be? Oh, I don't want to pay this much to have these things done in my house, my yard, right. whatever. The my walls built, because now I have to pay more. Right. They're gonna be complaining. Find something else to complain about is what it comes down to. Yeah, it's goofy. It is goofy. It's just weird. It's People just like, defend this guy too. Yeah, and they they defend him because their bubble is all about this man being an outsider. Right. It has nothing to do with him being a douchebag. It has nothing to do with him being, um, you know, a, a sleazy uh, womanizer, um, mm-hmm. you know, a con man. You know, everything we've seen has been true because he hasn't proven anything with his mouth. Just nothing but big words yeah. and nothing else to, to back it up yet. I don't even think he really uses big words. <laughs> well, he, no, he, was, have a vocabulary he, was, for that. he uses the word big. <laughs> That's what I meant. <laughs> but people, you know, people love the fact that he's not a politician. Sure. And and I I like the fact that we have the, someone who's not a politician, just not this guy. Right. We need someone with a brain in their head. Yeah. Someone who's got some a little how about a little bit of empathy and integrity for that <laughs> right, matter. Right, integrity. Right. This we just don't have that right now. No. There's no there's no focal point. And you know when you see, you know these these DACA, you know students and and the the dreamers and the program being cut and it's like what are you doing, man? What, what's the point of this? There's no point at all. I mean, it's just because it was an Obama thing. Well, guess what? Obama didn't legalize marijuana. <laughs> hint, hint, Trump. <laughs> oh, he didn't legalize marijuana? Well, I'll solve fix that. Right. <laughs> yeah, where's that? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, Ugh. it's just a weird... It, just, it's, it feels like it's a cash grab before he, he gets caught, yeah. you know? I, I feel like he's going to... I don't know, man. Uh, just, and the earth is revolting. It is revolting. Like, I feel like, you know, like collective consciousness and energy, I think, you know, I mean, we direct yeah. these things. And I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Everyone's scared. All this stuff is happening North right now. North Korea. You have earthquakes. Freaking you have fires, out. hurricanes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is it just regular life on this planet? I don't know, dude. Well, North Korea wouldn't be it. Like, well, <laughs> That's just an unnecessary also Ugh. as well. So I just hope nobody sets off any yucky bombs. I don't man, think that's going to happen. Because that stuff stays on the, it's in our earth. We're, in, we're, we're all in that big bubble. Like Soon enough, we're going to fuck uh, this place up where it'll just be taken out of its misery. <laughs> that's probably yeah. what's going to happen. 
You know, maybe... Uh, and all the good people will pay for that. Well, you know, that's... All the people doing what they're supposed to be I doing know, will pay for that. Because of a fucking few. Because mm-hmm. of a small few. And their, and their greed for power. Yep. And that's what it is. You know, that's where we're at. You know, how do we stop that? Can we stop that? Or just vote them out, you know? Or I think there's this? an underground revolution going on. Yeah? Yeah, I think. These people are, are taking care of it for us? I think, uh, you know, yeah. Well, we can't get into the alien talk right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Because I was going to go right to Antarctica. <laughs> Australians think there's actual a bunch of life down there still. So you guys have to wait 27 minutes for that. Is that how long? It's 3.33. Yeah. I see the clock a lot at 3.33, 4.44, 5.55. I'm 11.11 a lot. 11.11, 11.11, yeah. 12.12. Yeah. I like when, you know, on radio, you get, I, you know, I look at 11.11.11. 11, 11. <laughs> <laughs> so 11 o'clock, 11 minutes, and 11 seconds. <laughs> That's extra special. Sounds like it's time for a tool song. <laughs> <laughs> a tool song? Interesting. Well, I'm not 11. Gonna be able to play a song. Yeah, but tool songs are way too long. Yeah, well. <laughs> they are. But they're good. Well, that's hard to argue. But they were too long. <laughs> well, uh, let's reestablish where we're at here. How about that? Okay. This is the VoiceAmerica.com <laughs> Variety Channel. This show is absolutely unprepared. I had to work today up until right, the, right. right before showtime. As so I really did I. Have too much time to prep for the show. As we always state on this show that um, we are not prepared. We are not. <laughs> but, we don't hide that at all. We're right. very truthful about our lack of preparedness. We never know what's going to come out of our mouths. It's true. Um, I do write some stuff down during the week if I want to hit two, like we just talked about. Right. And we roll with it. Yeah. That's the, that's the nature of the we, show. We just make it up as we go. There's, I mean, not like facts, but. There's absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We can't lie about facts. Right. <laughs> lie about facts. Wait, hold on a second. Let's think about that structure. Right. <laughs> I got a, I got three songs. To ch- I got a lot of songs to choose from. Choose okay. from. I, I, you know what? I want to do two because these guys are so awesome. Okay. All right. So Let's your choice. Um, Beauty Meat. <laughs> <laughs> this is the name of the song. Drunk Puppies. Okay. Purple Peach. Okay. Or Weak Friend Winter Club. Okay. Yeah, I'm two. definitely going with the Beauty Meat. Okay. Beauty Meat. And let me go with, um, what was the third one again? The third one was, um, I think it was language juice. <laughs> you did not say language juice. Yes, language juice. Okay, language juice. Okay, we'll do these two. <laughs> Only because they're, they're kind of short. Okay. So together they make one song. Right. <laughs> but not really. So I'm going to set this up real quick. And we'll get going. We like to play independent music out here on the show. And if anybody out there listening in, no matter where you're at in the world, because we do have worldwide listeners tuning in. True. Probably going, what the fuck are you guys doing in America, man? <laughs> what the hell's going on over there, man? Can't you guys do anything about yeah, this? Yeah, dude. Some of my foreign friends are like, um, are they? Yeah. why are you stupid? I'm like, I am not stupid. <sighs> but yes, there are stupid people here. It happens. And that's unfortunate. But it's, what's unfortunate is that stu- stupid people are winning right now. <laughs> yeah. It's a big fail for us. All right. You ready to roll? Yes. All right. Let's play this song here. We will be right back here. It's a voicemaker.com variety channel, and the show is called Going Global with Gas. Man.
Sun Club, and uh, that's Language Juice, by the way. That's the li- that's their album version, and the song before that was Beauty Me. That was recorded live in in Austin, Texas, at South by Southwest. And these guys set up their gear and equipment. And I'm talking, there was a xylophone, <laughs> there was a beatbox, there was, <laughs> I mean, they had everything set up on the curb and sidewalk in, in Austin. And we just did a live show right then and there. And that's the recording that came out of it. And it's just, oh my God, I just fell in love with it. It was Sound, good. It sounded so good. <laughs> so Sun Club, yeah. Beauty Meat, Language Juice. The guys are from um, from Maryland. That's where they're from. It's cold there. Yeah, so those guys are really cool. I really dig them a lot. We'll play another song from another band from New Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah. Um, we'll play one song from them before we uh, hit the top of the hour. Another hour, 45 to go till 5, because that's when we're done here. But the 4 o'clock hour will all be... Aliens. With gas. Yeah. Yes, the extraterrestrial rock show coming up soon with Arthur, with author Mark O'Connell, who wrote the book Close Encounters, man. (laughs) (laughs) What? You think I forgot? I kind of did. I'm not looking at it. I was going off my mind. I saw the story online. I tried not to laugh, dude. I couldn't hold it in. So you know what's funny is like, you know stories when you hear people, they're like, hey, this is in the news. You know, like, hey, person finds... And half a pound of weed and you know in their luggage and whatever it is I mean, these are stories we shouldn't hear about you know right. so like nobody should report found weed <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> what so should they do with it's always it? the wrong person they, per- they should not know it? we should not know about it basically right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying they shouldn't you don't have to report that that's what I'm saying yeah. I'm sure you know somebody who would really love you if you found a half a pound of weed 
So this kind of is in the line of that, you know, basically a story that shouldn't be in the news because, you know, like, dude, you don't have to tell anybody about this, right? Right. It's not like relevant. Right. Well, a California man found a naked girl in her in his bed. Apparently she broke, <laughs> broke into his off the house. <laughs> Why are we finding out about this? I don't know. <laughs> See, it's a, <laughs> it's a want. Well, I was hoping it could turn into maybe a Disney movie down the road. <laughs> He's probably like... I bet you wish this happened to you. So I'm saying this shouldn't be a news story. Right. Anderson, California, northern in uh, the north part of the state, said a man was arriving home, discovered a naked woman in his bed. What did he do? <laughs> well, first he found a, a, par, a ripped parcel on the front porch of his house. It apparently is a, is a farming city. He said a utility knife that had, had last seen inside the home was lying on the porch, so apparently she grabbed the knife inside. I mean, it seems almost, almost like a kind of like a little red, not a little red riding hood, but a uh, Goldilocks situation. Right. That's, hmm. Yeah. That's kind of how I see this situation, but yeah. She's on meth, probably. Well, that's why I didn't like living in apartments that all look the same, because one of my friends, for instance, that also lived in the same apartment complex would come home real drunk. And then be like, oh, I don't have my key. Really, it was probably in his pocket. <laughs> and then he'd go and try to break in a window. And there were several times where he broke into the wrong apartment. Because they all look the same. They're right. all drunk and stuff. Right, okay. Like, it's innocent enough, you know. Passes out in the windowsill, window half open. <laughs> Are you serious? He passed that in the window? Oh, my God. <laughs> Once you got to be really fucked up. There he was. Holy crap. I was like, dude, you got a drinking problem. You need to calm down. Wow. Or just like call somebody to help you, man. Oh, my god. <laughs> You're goodness. like, wrong house. If you don't think that's like apartment. a like a, a wake-me-up you know, type of situation, <laughs> you know, hello. Fortunately, the neighbors were cool. Wow. Because you could have got a lot of trouble for that. Yeah, you got killed. Are you kidding me? Yep. Jesus Christ. Yeah, dude. I just told someone that I don't drink beer anymore. I saw that on your little post like, online there. I've never said those words in my life. Yeah. I've never did it. And it came out yesterday like natural. Like it, like it was meant to come out, you know? Because right. this lady was like, we, I have this really cool beer holder. I'm like, oh, I don't even drink beer anymore. <laughs> like, what, did I just say that? It's like, it was so weird, you know? But it, I don't, you know, when I think about it, except an oatmeal stout. <laughs> an oatmeal stout at Four Peaks Brewery, then I'm solid. I'm good with that. But as far as anything else, no. That's like lunch, dude. Lunch, yeah. I don't meal stout. Yeah. Oh, well, it's, yeah, it's a great. It's, it's a different style of beer. It's way different than your normal hoppy type of stuff. And right. I just can't do it anymore. I just don't want to do it. It makes you feel fat. <laughs> 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 I just feel full on it really fast, yeah. you know. And it's just it's just garbage, man. Yeah, I think I've only actually seen you drink one time in the whole time I've ever known you. Right. Yeah. I I mean I I rather partake in something else. Vodka, tequila. I drink on occasion. And when I drink, I drink. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, I've done that before, too. I've blacked out many times. It's, you know, usually I had my standard one blackout per year. <laughs> That's how I rolled <laughs> for quite some time. Uh, I can't remember the last time I blacked out. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> that is not a joke, by the way. Something I just said. That sounded very funny. Oh, God. <laughs> kind of like when I said, I need more blues in my life, right? <laughs> blues music, that is. Oh. I know. All right. So we're not playing any games today. Well, have you? did you make any of those posts that piss people off this week? No, uh, but I almost did. <laughs> I, I started, you know, I just, again, I just want to post, I want to jump in these conversations because it just 
fucking bothers me, man. <laughs> I just want to tell these people the truth, and it's that's not going to help any. It really, is, it really isn't. Maybe we should make a like, what would you do, internet version. You know, like on the line. Well, <laughs> what would you do? But like, not let them know it's a what would you do. Like, just post some ridiculous stuff. Like what Breitbart does. Right. Ugh. Oh, yeah. I had like a Breitbart thing come across, some article come across uh, my newsfeed. Yeah. And it was like um, something about um, hurricane victims are getting, they're offering like free abortions for them or something. It's <laughs> like, what are you even talking about? Nobody's caring about that right now. And. This doesn't even make sense. And then, because I clicked on it, and I was like, oh, it's Breitbart. It's probably a bunch of crap. It's just stuff they want to stir the pot with right. more. You know, get you guys all riled up and stuff and get everyone all. Because everyone's looking at the hurricane stuff right, right now. And it's not cool. It's not cool. Hmm. You just need to be helping everybody. I'm just glad they at least, you know, started evacuating Florida. Yeah, the traffic's going to be crazy. I wonder if we're going to see, you know, like people stuck on the road with this thing coming through. You yeah. know, that that's freaky because it's supposed to be coming in like today, right? Isn't it? Interim? I feel like, yeah, it's happening. There was a, a video online of people like at the beach <laughs> watching this thing coming in. Like, what are you doing? Like, are you really? These waves are 15 feet tall. <laughs> like, you're going to die. Wow. Some people are so weird. Yeah. Death wish, or maybe it's they're like, oh, if it happens, it happens, you know. It's well, a, it's, 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 it's like it's a culling. It's, well, it's like Independence Day <laughs> when they all to the top of the building, right? <laughs> with the signs, welcome. Yeah. Zap. <laughs> Not doing that. <laughs> as much as I, you know, believe in my extraterrestrials, I gotta make sure they're nice first before I have a conversation. With right. Them. I did get a, a little bit of a, a kind of an upsetty thingy to a certain degree. Oh. Um, yeah, this happened. A friend of mine posted a story about, um, like in, like the, like India, like people from India, right. you know, there's a character on the Simpsons, Apu. Yeah. And apparently, um, this uh, comedian, I'm trying to get the story up, but, um, you know, he's like very upset about that. He's like, I'm, I don't like the fact that a white man is doing Apu, first of all. And the fact that Apu is an absolute stereotype of Indian people. And so he made a movie about it. <laughs> something's wrong with Apu or something like that. Something, something with Apu or something. I can't remember the thing. <laughs> God, I wish I could find it right now. Yeah, as you can tell, we don't script the show. Um, so, but... Or what's with Apu or something like that. Much of... <laughs> I'm trying to think. Is Much Ado Apu? No, Much Ado About Something was the name of the episode. <laughs> I was about <laughs> to go into the, uh, Much Ado About Nothing, but change it to Apu. Right. I like Apu, though. And I, I love Apu, and now do I feel guilty about l liking him or what? No. The problem with Apu. That's what it's called. Okay. And it's um, comedian uh, Hari Kondabalu, and it's basically his deconstruction of the character who he feels is very offensive. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, so it's all right. So what do we do, man? What well, do we do? Do we scratch everything back and start from fresh? You know what? So... There's a couple stores I go to that they have Indian owners, and I've, you know, mentioned, like, um, the Simpsons have come up when I've been talking to them. They are not offended by it. They just came and they made a shop. Like, right. like anybody else. There's plenty of people who come to America and they make shops. I mean, are they going to, you know, the foot places, 
are always someone from an Asian com- country, for the most part. Right. Like, it just, whatever. If that's what people want to do, they come to America to reach their dreams, then do it. Right. But I don't think they're not, like, there isn't anything about a poo that's, like, demeaning in The Simpsons. It's very endearing. Like you said, you love a poo. I, I love his yeah. character, too. I mean, yeah. But the thing is, the stereotypes don't come out of, this, out of the blue. They come from somewhere. <laughs> I mean, like, like, literally, people are like that. That is why there are stereotypes like right. that. Because there are people who do live the same way Apu lives. And I never really saw that as, a st- as like, Apu's a stereotypical person on the cartoon. He's just, like, a dude that opened up a shop, and he's there. Right. So, therefore, their town is multicultural, <laughs> actually. It's very multicultural. There's a lot of people from different places in that place. Absolutely. Yeah. So... You know what, Simpsons writers, you keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> I approve. I approve as well. All right, we're going to uh, hit the break. We're going to come right back. And uh, why don't you go do something? <laughs> <laughs> For seven minutes. <laughs> For seven minutes. You know what, don't. Just play a seven-minute song. Stay, I'm not playing a seven-minute <laughs> song. I'm playing Hold Me from Royal Teeth. These guys are Aww. really cool. From, uh, from Louisiana, they're from uh, New Orleans. I had them in here. They're one of my first guests on the Going Global show. The podcast is online at voiceamerica.com variety channel. Check out the Going Global with Gas page. Do it. And search up Royal Teeth. They were in studio with me. I actually yeah. caught them here between. And then they, they were on big. I mean, they got pretty big. I mean, they are, they're on their way. It's still getting bigger. So Hold Me is the tune. Glow is the album. It's right here on Going Global with Gas. Man. This is crazy, this is crazy, this is crazy. You mean we're smoking dog shit, man? Oh, nothing but the best. The last time I caught an odor like that was 11 years ago. Gas man. A giant, hairy creature, part ape, part man. What if I told you I'd take you to a place you'd never been and do something to you that's never been done? You got to check it out. It'll boogie woogie on your brain. Open your mind real wide now. Can I grab you by the boo boo door? I can hear my hair growing. I'm freaking out, man. You are freaking out, man. Man. This year marks the 30th anniversary of the advent of the flying saucer. And that is a most unfortunate term, in my opinion, because it invites ridicule. It opens the door to a great deal of buffoonery and lampooning. It had a perfectly good history because when Kenneth Arnold described the motions of the discs that he had seen, he said that it was like skipping a saucer over water. But some reporter thought that was a very clever uh, term, and flying saucers were born. But it, it's, it is really too bad because it has caused a great deal of uh, jokes and so forth. For instance, uh, uh, one common expression is that if you want to see a flying saucer, just goose a waitress. There is a shyness and a reluctance on the part of many witnesses, and understandably so, uh, against reporting because too many have been ridiculed and life has been made somewhat miserable for them. But at the Center for UFO Studies, both in uh, the States and in Australia, 
is our, is our standard practice never to use a person's name without their specific permission. So if any of our viewers have a what they feel is a valid UFO experience and have not reported it, by all means, I would say it is your scientific duty to report this and with the assurance that your names will not be used without your permission. Aliens. With gas. Man. Yes, says Dr. J. Allen Heineck. Goose and waitresses. <laughs> did you catch that? I did. How funny is that, right? I mean, of all things what is come that? out. That was 30 I... years after the UFO experience began here in America, by the way, in the mid-70s. That, when he talked there, right. it was the mid-70s. Um, I know, right? <laughs> I, just, I need to know what goosing a waitress means. <laughs> well, it's when you pinch her butt. Oh, see, I didn't know that. If you want to see a flying saucer, pinch her butt. And oh, my gosh. Go- oh, I get it now. Okay. I almost... <laughs> I was I almost add a little goose sound. I was thinking about this. maybe I should maybe hold back a little bit on that. Yes. <laughs> Welcome. I don't know. I think it's fair. <laughs> I mean, back then, hey, uh, any kind of sexist jokes were fine, weren't they? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I, I know. I'm being facetious, of course. Welcome to the show. The extraterrestrial the extraterrestrial rock show has begun. My name's Kevin Gassman. Of course, you can call me Gas. It's all good. Heidi Gad. Yes, and for the next hour, we're going to discuss the strange and unusual, like ourselves, and uh, <laughs> and everything else in between, between uh, UFOs and the unknown, basically. And our yeah. guest today, in a few minutes, we're going to be getting on the phone, uh, author Mark O'Connell. Yeah. Close Encounters Man. Yeah. And that is all about Dr. J. Allen Hynek. Yeah, he read a book. Yeah, so the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind, well, we can thank Dr. Hynek. Yes, for that one. So we're (laughs) going to get into the author of the biography of him. So we're going to have a very cool conversation coming up soon. He was a super interesting fellow, so I'm excited to hear about all the research. When was the last time you saw that movie, Close Encounters? Uh, Probably like three days ago. Really? You you, you refreshed your mind? I watched it a lot. Do you? Yeah, because when I don't have anything to watch, I have like several movies. I will just be like, oh, I'll just watch this again. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, it's probably been since I was a young kid since oh, I saw wow. it. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. I see it probably at least like once a month or every other month. <laughs> that often? Yeah. Really? It's a long mm-hmm. movie, isn't it? I mean, I, well, they have the it's extension. Just a film. Remember, it came out again. I was like, well, here's the edit part at the end. We forgot to add at the beginning. You know, the right. first part it came out. Yeah. Um, 35 years ago, by the way. I know. And E.T. was, I think, uh, 25 or 30 years ago? Probably. Yeah. That Somewhere just around there. Had its also um, anniversary as well. Right. I I lived not too far from the park where E.T. was filmed. <laughs> it's awesome. I have to drop that, you know, <laughs> name drop. I'm, I'm geography dropping, I guess. Yeah. The park where they filmed E.T. Did you go up there after and we're like, whoa, E.T. was here? <laughs> well, yes, it wasn't too far from our house. So, yeah, you would just, you know, you'd always at least visit it once, you know, at least check it out. And there's also other little streets in our neighborhood that were filmed that were in the movie that were around us, too, which I didn't know. But a friend of mine who was in the film industry who I grew up with, because they end up becoming in the film industry. <laughs> he uh, was showing me, yeah, they filmed E.T. down this street where all the trees are covering the street. This is the street where they did that. And I'm like, I didn't know that. That's really cool. Even wow. I get stumped once in a while, a little wild. But yeah, so E.T., that's hmm. a classic, of course. These, both these movies are classics. And, you know, back in the late 70s and early 80s, they, they were classics, you know? Yeah. Do you see any movies nowadays, or are they just kind of coming in for, just for the action punch and leaving? I mean, we don't see any kind of classic stories anymore, do we? No, not really. Actually, I, I kind of like that film Arrival because there was like a classic story and um, really deep meaning to that, I thought. there Some people didn't like it, but 
It was about treating one another the way you should be treated. Right. Amongst other things. That's kind of the, that's kind of the common theme, <laughs> I think, for a lot of the, you know, when people say they talk to aliens, that's kind of what they right. want to they tell you. Is, hey, look, man, just get along with each other, bro. Yeah. Why can't you do that? They're just, maybe they're just waiting for us to figure out how to get along with each other before they'll be like, yo, what's up? <laughs> well, that's what they want, right? Look, we right. want to come out there. We want to come see you. We want to help you, but you have to get along with each other. Otherwise, right. you're going to try to kill us. <laughs> that's pretty much what it comes down Human to. Beings. I mean, we're kicking people out of this country who are helping us. Right. How are we going to accept people from outer space that want to help us? That's why I liked Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Because it was friendly at the end? Yeah. They only abducted the it people for... It was all about music. <laughs> oh, dang, that's what I was going to do. I was going to bring my violin and play my name. Oh. Because it sounds like the Close Encounters of the Third Kind song. If your notes? If my name. I play a high D. Because oh. we have A through G notes, so I play okay. a high D. Haha. My middle initial right. is A. And then I play G-A-D-D in different variations. And it sounds like the Close Encounters theme. <laughs> really? It does, a little bit. That's pretty funny. I mean, it's not like exactly, but, you know, it's kind of funny. <laughs> if I knew you were going to say that, I was gonna, I'm was i going to try to find that if I could. Find on, a piano? Yeah, on the line, on, online, see if I can I can pull that off or not. What, my name? Yeah, just play it on the computer or not. But I'll, oh, I'll just download <laughs> a, uh, here, I'll down, real quick, during right, the break, I'll download a piano right, and I'll just play it, It's you know, being a musician and all. Right. <laughs> I think a lot of times when you take approaches to movies about you aliens and UFOs some are you know taken well I think they're like Paul and you know other fun movies like that but some of them are just there's too much you know it's, it oversaturates it you know mm-hmm. it kind of stereotypes those similar movies of there's always a destruction there's always aliens out to kill us but really I think what they're trying to say is those aliens are us right you know the Godzilla movies those are all euphemisms for nuclear war you know did I yeah. say that right? Nuclear war? <laughs> nuclear. I was going to say nu- <laughs> nuclear. <laughs> what is wrong with you today? <laughs> the la- first part of the show that's not on the <laughs> station right now. <laughs> like Kevin starts off with this like really random sentence. I mean, like no yeah, sense. Yeah, it's, it's called being creative, Heidi. <laughs> I'm just saying Godzi- <laughs> Godzilla was a euphemism for nuclear war and, or the blasts of, right. of nuclear and radiation because that's what he basically <laughs> represented. But I said it right. right. Yeah, no. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> all good. <laughs> oh, I can't stop laughing. I don't know why. But I'm saying is like I think aliens and UFOs might represent our own humanity against each other. And and we place it in these scenarios of space against one species against another species. That's how we behave here on this planet. So do you think like humans are projecting the UFOs <laughs> and aliens? Well, I mean, happening? instead of just using that as a Well, are they just tool? all a projection and they are actually not visiting our planet? Because <laughs> you just, because what you just said. Right. Well, I'm saying is that we were making them. Well, the, well, no, what I'm saying is that we're making up these stories. We're using UFOs and aliens Instead of saying that it's, you know, one race versus another race here on this planet. Oh, maybe. Or it could one, be a metaphor, man. Right. That's what I'm, ta- that's what I'm talking about. You're looking for the word metaphor? Metaphor. <laughs> well, euphemism, that's it's one thing for another thing, too. I was right on that word. I'm going to Google them. I know I'm right. <laughs> anyway. All right, on. Yeah, thank Heidi. I'm just saying is that aliens <laughs> using them in movies could mean that they're actually 
portraying us instead of that. Well, yeah, they're trying to get the thought across that, you know, don't be buttholes. Right, right. Everybody, be nice to one another. We all come from the same stardust. That seems to be it. The empathy that we lack right now, at least that we're seeing that is lacking from our leadership, has been very uh, detrimental, I think, to what's going on around us. And I think if we can change that and try to get some more, you know, care for people, and this is a good person, good uh, it's, I don't say good. This is a situation right where we're at with those these two hurricanes coming in, where it's a, uh, a place where he could show some empathy, right. and he could show that he's human, <laughs> if he believed that, right? <laughs> or he's not some reptile and <laughs> reptile from underground, <laughs> right? Exactly in the caves, running. Below That's a whole other story. Of the desert, Australia. They ended up uh, determining the fact that there are life species in Antarctica. That we are unknown. Right. That, that are unknown. Gotcha. Yeah. So. So what are they? Just unknown? Well, we don't know yet because they're just saying it's secret life. I mean, you can say that about anywhere. Hmm. The story, I'll pop it up here. On NDTV, study is by an Australian National, um, Australian National University, Mount Erebus. It's an active volcano which is on Ross Island in Antarctica, steam has hollowed out extensive cave systems. Whoa. That's what they're saying. So is it the earth only, or do they actually think like well, that something dug it out? Or did it direct the steam? Did it figure out where the steam was and then like dig a little steam hole so it would blow out the rest of the... Well, I'll read what they say in the story. A quote from them says, it can really be warm inside the caves up to 25 degrees Celsius in some caves. You can wear a T-shirt in there and be pretty comfortable. Hmm. That was from the ANU Fenner School of Environmental and so- Environment and Society, uh, Sarah Dwin Frazier, who also goes on and says, there is light near the cave mouths and light filters deep into some caves where the overlying ice is thin. Dude, it must look so awesome. Well, remember we were talking about Admiral Byrd flying over and seeing a green oasis? Right. I mean, how much do we know yeah. about Antarctica? Yeah. Maybe there's just like some steamy part. They found some DNA in the caves, they said, and it was similar to DNA from plants and animals, including mosses, algae, and in- in- invertebrates. Hmm. They said, but all, not all sequences could be fully identified. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. And that's the clue they drop. And they're, I guess, apparently allowed to get into Antarctica. <laughs> you know, that's another <laughs> thing, too, right? Right. Hmm. It's not a place you can book a trip to. Well, but are they saying that they just may have identified a new species of said moss, algae, and whatever else is in there? Or are they saying that it's extraterrestrial? It's unknown. Hmm. That's what they said. And they don't have the, the DNA strains identified yet. So hmm. who knows what that means? It's aliens. <laughs> well, it's just something we just have never experienced before. Right. You know, I mean, it's been down there and all of a sudden you're going to check it out and it's something that you've never seen. So maybe it is, I mean, who knows, you know? It's hard to say, man. But isn't if everything would be alien in a sense. If right. You, if you've never seen it and you don't know what it is. True. All right. Well, I'm ready for a song. You ready to play some music? Let's do it. All right. Kaleidoscope just dropped. Coldplay. You're familiar <laughs> with those guys, right? I am. Well, they have yeah. a song on there. 
Oh, yeah. Are you sitting down? I am. It's called Aliens. <laughs> what? <laughs> and there's a very cool video that goes along with it. And you can read the lyrics because that's the I watched the lyric one. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Wait, how old is this song? Uh, well, the album just came out back oh, in July. Oh, it did? Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's why I haven't heard about it. Brand new. Because I was about to scold myself. Coldplay. Aliens on the huh. Extraterrestrial Rock oh, Show. interesting. And when we come back, we're going to have author Mark O'Connell yeah. join us. I'm really excited about this conversation. Close yeah. Encounters Man. Yeah. Dr. J. Allen Hynek. We're going to get into that when we come right back after this on Aliens with Gas. Man. Well, it was as an astronomer that I first became associated with the UFO problem. In 1948, the Air Force asked me, as an astronomer, to assist them in seeing how many of the reports on flying saucers that were coming in at that time could be explained astronomically. And one thing led to another, and I became scientific consultant to the Air Force and remained so for some 20 years. I started almost as a complete skeptic because I thought the whole thing was a question of post-war nerves, but it was the persistence of the phenomenon and refused to dry up and blow away that finally led me to the belief that we had a real phenomenon to deal with aliens with gas wow man sorry. <laughs> sorry i was just too busy like thinking about what i just heard yeah dr j allen heineck right there talking about ufos him getting into it you know yeah. not believing it at first and all of a sudden here we are right. going like hey man these things are real yeah. not only are they real but let me tell you about <laughs> and if your mind changes that much about it right to where you become what he became right whoa a big influencer in yeah. the ufo world and ufoology if you want and uh, we have an author who did a biography on him he's with us here close encounters man is the book mark o'connell is the author he is joining us on the show. Welcome to the program. Thank you. It's great to be here. Awesome. awesome. All right. Well, this works. I'm digging the Skype already, man. Thanks, All right. Mark. <laughs> All right. Good. Yeah, yeah. Nice. This sounds good and everything. So, cl so close encounters, man. Dr. J. Allen Hynek. And then this, I mean, what was the, the draw in for you on this one? Oh, I've, I've been fascinated with UFOs and aliens and space since I was like three years old um, yes. it's it's been a lifelong interest um i got into writing science fiction as an adult um a couple of years ago i started writing a ufo blog because i thought it would be i wanted to start blogging and ufos were the only thing i could think of <laughs> that i could write about like every day without getting sick of it so that's <laughs> how that started and right about the same time i started writing the blog high strangeness um I signed on to be an, a certified UFO field investigator for MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network. So while I was writing the blog, I was investigating UFO cases. And um, along the way, I discovered that Dr. Hynek's Center for UFO Studies was still in existence uh, in Chicago. And I was living not far from there at the time. <clears throat> and I thought, well, I've got to check that out. I can. There's there'll be endless stuff there that I can write about in my blog. So I talked the scientific director Mark Rodiger into letting me come by for a visit. The whole center for UFO studies now basically is a bunch of file cabinets and bookshelves. <laughs> I was going under two different in a couple different basements and an attic in Chicago. Right. I'm sad to yeah. say, but so I started I started visiting every couple of months and poking around their their archives and their bookshelves and just finding tons of fun stuff to write about and being reminded once again of what an interesting person Dr. Heineck was. And then on one of these visits, uh, Mark Rodiger said, hey, you know, I like your blog. We've been looking for somebody to write up the definitive history of Dr. Hynek's career. Would you be interested? And I said, hell yeah. 
Absolutely. So that's that's how it started. I was kind of in the right place at the right time, and it just kind of fell into my lap. And and like I said, I was living just a couple of miles from there, so doing the research turned out to be so easy because it was all like right in my neighborhood right. practically. Yeah. And then Heineck had also spent 25 years teaching at Northwestern University in Evanston. So his his academic papers and archives were also just a few miles away in the other direction. So it all just came together just kind of mystically. Right. So when you started doing the research, did you have to even reach out to some of his family as well? Yeah. And that was hard because... um, uh, Mark Rodiger, who I mentioned, the scientific director at Kufos, he kept telling me your your kids, his kids are never going to want to talk to you. He said they don't they don't like talking about their dad's work. They're not going to talk to you. So that was pretty discouraging because I really needed to talk to one of his kids. And finally, I ended up after a lot of trying uh, talking with Paul Heineck, who was doctor, who was the the fourth of his five children. And Paul was fantastic. He gave me lots and lots of great stories about their family life and about how dad's work affected their home life and their family. And, uh, and he's been fantastic. He's been, even though, even though it's been probably two, maybe three years since we did our official interview, Paul is always fantastic about it. If I have some little obscure question about his dad, I can always shoot him an email and he will always get back to me and say, yeah, yeah, I can tell you about that. So he's been fantastic. Well, I got to wonder, you know, because that clip we played right before we brought you on, he's talking about, you know, being called crazy and what it is. And, right. you know, he put his whole family at risk on this. And I'm wondering if some of the sons and like you mentioned, said they don't want to deal with this anymore, how much ridicule they got. And how much the other son didn't. I mean, I mean, there must have been an age gap difference in, in these two. Is, that, is there or was there? In the kids, yeah, there definitely was. Doctor Heineck had the, his first three children in the like late thirties, early forties, and then he had his last two children, Paul and Ross, in the early nineteen sixties. So there's like it's like it, you know. It's like almost like two different families. So there are the older siblings who know about the early days of their dad's career, and then there are the younger siblings who know about the later days of their dad's career. So, and and that's are you finding that's the line of the ones that support him and the ones that don't? I haven't really figured that out yet because I've never <laughs> talked with any of the others. Okay, there the other four kids are a complete mystery to me. I have to say, and it's okay. kind of frustrating. I really would have hoped because Paul kept telling me, "Oh, I'll set up interviews for you. I'll set right. up interviews for you." But for whatever reason, it never came about. Well, I will say this: I will side on the fact that they don't dig it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would say. Um, I think it's very, very possible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So, have you yourself ever had a UFO experience? Well, when I st- once I started writing my blog, I had a couple experiences, but I've um, I've decided since then that they were all Chinese lanterns. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's be. W- yeah. W- when I th- when I think about w- what these things look like and the way they behaved, it seems pretty clear they were just Chinese lanterns. So, so I'll have to say, no, I have never seen a an actual ufo and i really wish i would <laughs> well there's still time man there's still time yeah. i know i know <laughs> there's always I a open. chance just be patient i know heidi's really open to this because she has a lot of experiences me for i've i've saw something when i was younger but since i haven't and that's you know almost 30 years ago <laughs> i'm like so uh-huh. i'm like come on bring it man bring it you know but we talked yeah. you know we were talking a little bit about that they're bringing him you know them exposing themselves to us and it's, I, we just don't think they, we don't think that they think we're ready 
if that makes sense. I, I, I think that I think that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah I mean, every, everything everything seems to point to that. Yeah, I think so too. And I mean, until, until we become more civil with each other, I think then they'll maybe uh, show their faces a little bit. Um, let's talk about the book, Close Encounters, man. Yeah. And I mean, so. You know, obviously everyone knows that this man created this number system of close encounters. Um, how did that even get going for him? What, you know, how, and how would you even, you know, decide even to, to right. dissect him into classes? Well, because this is what's interesting about Heineck. Because he was a scientist first, before he got into this UFO business, he had developed a very scientific mind. And what he looked for was, he looked for patterns, he looked for consistencies, he looked for, you know, repeatability, which is a big part of the scientific method. Um, so, he, that's what, that's what he was always looking for. And that's what, that's what's always so hard to find in UFOs, is that kind of consistency and, and repeatability. Um, so, I kind of lost. I kind of lost my thread here. No, it's all good. Just, just, <laughs> well, just on the on the number systems creating the scientific method. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so he got into, he gets into the late '60s, and he's been sort of unleashed from his from his Air Force work. So he's become unmuzzled. So he can start saying anything he wants about UFOs now. So he starts to look at all of these years and years and years of case reports as a scientist. He starts looking for patterns and consistencies. And he starts to th- develop a system of categorizing UFOs. To him, that's like the best way to try to understand it. And strangely enough, he first he sent up his first tr- trial balloon on his UFO categories in an issue in an article he wrote for Playboy magazine in the late sixties. <laughs> Just um, for the article, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so funny. So over so over time through the late sixties, early seventies, he starts coming up with these categories that make sense to him. So and in the end he had six main categories. They were daylight discs, uh, meandering nocturnal lights, which is one of my favorite terms of all, <laughs> and the and, and visual slash radar sightings. But then on top of those three basic categories, he had the close encounters of the first, second, and third kind. So Oh, they were separate, so Right. Yeah, and and those could overlap. Like a daylight disc seen from a great distance could eventually become a close encounter if that disc came up right into your face. So right. there was there was always a little bit of overlap between all those six categories. Interesting. So let's go through the first the categories of the one of the close encounters first. Oh sure. Yeah. Close encounter. Close encounter. The first kind involves visual contact with a UFO. At a range of he, this varied some somewhat, but it was generally within 500 yards. Heineck figured that was close enough that the witness could make out visual details on what they were seeing, like you know, uh, a size, outline, shape, things like that. Uh, close encounter. The second wait, wait, kind. I, wait, before we get to that, I want to go back to the first oh, sure. one real quick. No, I'm just saying is that okay. as far as the um, encounter, is he simulating or assuming? I should say. That the UFO would also see the person watching them, with that kind of as opposed to just seeing a object in the in the sky. That I mean, is such an interesting question, <laughs> Kevin. So weird, Kevin. I, I, I've, I've actually I've never thought of it that way. I, I've never seen anything to show that Heineck thought of it that way. I, um, so, so I guess I'm going to answer no to that. Okay. But I think it's a really intriguing thing to think about. Man, that's gonna, that's going to keep me up all night. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry to do that to you. Man. Awesome. No, it's cool. It's great. Well, I'm just curious because an encounter would to me would seem to be a two way street. Right. 
Yeah, like exactly. you, you right. know, encounter this person in the street. Right, right. All right, so let's go anyway. to number two. <laughs> oh, sorry, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Close encounter, the second kind. That invites, just like the first kind, only this time it involves physical uh, evidence, like a scorch mark on the ground where a UFO landed, or landing pad imprints, or everyone's favorite, um, a UFO that makes your car engine and lights go dead. Okay. Uh, <laughs> On a lonely country highway, uh, so that's close encounter of the second kind. And those are those were actually Heineck's favorite cases were the close encounters of the second kind, because because he felt like they offered the most scientific data. Of Interesting, because the because they, well, they well, yeah because there's evidence right they left them yeah and there's hard evidence. Sometimes it disappears, uh, but there's definitely hard evidence. So close encounter of the, th- of the third kind uh, involves. Uh, contact or interaction with entities that are associated with the ufo and so that's the big one and there have been an awful lot of close encounters of the third kind but heineck was never totally comfortable with that category mostly because like i said before he was a scientist he always looked for patterns and consistency and he could never find anything like that where ufo occupants and worse than that, UFO abductions were concerned. You know, there was there was no pattern there. There was no there was no history of evidence to fall back on to compare things to. Was, so it frustrated the hell out of him. So in a sense, we're you know because we talk about this once in a while too. As far as there's so many different type of abductions or the, the stories don't really match. You know, it's hard to find similar experiences. I mean, I know there are there, and they are right. been, and they have been documented. So it's, it's tough to, but overall... They just tend to be few and far between. Right, yeah. right. And yeah. even, but the thing is, sometimes there's a stories where we find, like, the, was it in, in Africa, there was a big witness with the kids, the school kids. Oh, the school. Oh, yeah. And yeah. They oh, saw, I just lost So they call. saw the, the beings there, but then there was a story that broke where an Australian cop came out and said, when he was a young kid, he saw beings that looked exactly the same as that. Right. That's so, it. People aren't always reporting it. There's probably right. so yeah. many more out there right. where they would yeah. be like, whoa, and that's, a lot that are the same. That's what Heinick said in that first clip is that, listen, no matter what it is, you got to report it regardless. I mean, we won't mm-hmm. tell your name. It's all, you know, right. keep it under. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> what we tell people if they want to call in and say something. We don't need to know your name. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's smart. So what was, do you think, the most interesting thing you found out about him during this entire process of writing that book? Or like the the weirdest thing? (laughs) uh, Weirdest thing. I would say that would have to do with his, um, his... I'll call him his spiritual leanings, but that, that that's maybe not the most accurate way to describe it, but that's how I'm going to describe it. So when he was younger, when he was like in high school and in college, and by the way, he lost both of his parents when he was in his late teens. They both, his parents died about four years apart from each other. So mm-hmm. he was, you know, he just as he was becoming a young adult, he was orphaned. So, and then he starts working at uh, an observatory where he's spending all night all by himself in this gigantic dome looking at stars through a telescope. Awesome. And, and you know, and he, so he spends a lot of time contemplating the meaning of the universe. Um, and it led to some really interesting spiritual thinking on his part. Uh, he was interested in the Rosicrucians, which really blew me away. He was interested in the teachings of this uh, mystical teacher named Rudolf Steiner, who's a really interesting guy. Um, so that spiritual side of, side of things really surprised me. 
um, and really intrigued me. And that kind of took on another form later in life where he got interested in certain paranormal phenomenon. Like he was really interested in this guy, Ted Sirios, who claimed to be able to take psychic photographs with a Polaroid camera. Oh, he could take f- I read about that guy once. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, would take, he would take like Polaroids of dinosaurs. Stuff. And and Heineck was really into that guy. <laughs> and he was also really into this guy, Robert Monroe, who popularized the idea of the out-of-body experience. And Heineck's son, Paul, told me a lot about this Monroe fascination. So, so Heineck really, his, he was, his mind was all over the place at certain times in his he career. He was really open. That's he was. That's and what was so cool about him. Well, even being a scientist as well. You know. Yeah, you know, t- and towards the end, towards the end of his his career and the end of his life, he wasn't thinking about alien. He wasn't thinking about other planets. He wasn't thinking about UFOs coming from other planets. He was thinking of UFOs coming from other dimensions. Right. He he didn't call it extraterrestrial. He called it metaterrestrial, which is a fantastic word. Hmm. I like that word I do too. a lot. I do too. Isn't, that, isn't that great? Mediterrestrial. Yeah, I'm going to make a t-shirt, man. We should change the name of the show. <laughs> yeah. We'll be the Mediterrestrial Rock Show. Whoa. <laughs> I yeah. like that. That's very cool, man. Dude, we'll have to talk about that later. Mark O'Connell's with us. <laughs> he wrote the book, Close Encounters, man, all about the, uh, Dr. J. Allen Hynek. And uh, in the book, where can people find the book and they can uh, and get it for themselves and let people know there, please? Uh, it's all over the place. It's on Amazon, of course. It's at Barnes and Noble, either in their stores or on their website. And it's at all all bookstores everywhere. Independent bookstores, just ask. the th- The trick is, it's hard to know where the book will be will be uh, stocked. It could be in the UFO and paranormal section. It could be in the oh, biography section. It could be in the science section. So you have to look around a little right. or ask a clerk. <laughs> you know what? Maybe they should just put it in all the sections. Just start calling <laughs> bookstores. That would be great. Alph- by alphabetical? Yeah. One, one section? That's books. How, right. A to Z. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how bookstores work, Kevin. You can From tell which one of us goes to the bookstore more often. <laughs> Well, she did, I did coloring books over here. Paint oh, my gosh. <laughs> you gotta, you, Mark, I'm, I'm more of a cliff reader note guy. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> I'm more of the reader. Uh, I'm just, <laughs> you, know, it, you know, it's funny, though. You know, you're talking about these close encounters, the one, the two, and the three, and everything. You know, of course, you know, there's that fourth kind movie. Well, because I feel so, like the list did expand at some point after the one, two, threes, right? Like, yeah, that yeah. it expanded after long after Heineck passed away. He died in 1986. And what's kind of interesting is the very next year, 1987, um, Whitley Strieber's first book about his alien encounters, Communion, comes out. Oh, yeah. um, and then Intruders, uh, uh, Bud Hopkins' book, I believe, Intruders. Both of those books come out the year after Heineck dies hmm. and both of those both of those books completely shattered the paradigm of the alien abduction because all of it instead of encountering a ufo on the lonely highway and being dragged on board the ufo right. all of a sudden people are waking up in their beds and finding their bedroom is full of aliens right. who drag them out the window into you know or through the wall into a ufo so I think it's. I've always been really fascinated by the fact that this whole paradigm just completely changed the minute Heineck was no longer on the scene. It's kind of weird. Yeah, that do you, so do you think these authors were kind of? I mean, how do you hold on to somebody? How do you, how do you know when someone's going to die? You know. 
Yeah, I, I, I just don't know. I, there's no explanation for it. It's pure coincidence, but it's weird. So, yeah, that is weird. I mean, I say. those experiences, you know, like you mentioned, like in communion, and you, I, I didn't read Intruders, um, but it seems like Heidi really freaked out when you mentioned that They're book. All, those books are <laughs> so messed up. Like, I got to the point where I could not read them in the nighttime, like for real. Oh, I don't blame you. Yeah. yeah, no, they're it's, like it's, insane. It's, they're intense. Yeah, it's scary, so. What do you think this stuff. is? I mean, do you, do you think these are just hallucinations from people that just want to believe they exist and they had a you know some some thought to write a book about it and maybe thought this was real in their life? And it's it's hard for me to say because I I have a friend who's had that kind of experience. He says that he has been abducted by aliens his entire life, mm-hmm. um, and. I know the guy pretty well. I trust him. I think he's a straight shooter, um, and I and I honestly have no idea what to make of his stories because right. his stories are amazingly intense. And it it you know it goes all the way back to when he was ten years old, and and he says that these visitations continue to happen, and it's what I was just describing before. It's like he wakes up in bed and there are aliens at the foot of his bed. So. So it's hard for me to say what I think about him because I've got like I've got this personal contact who you know claims to have had these experiences and and he's a really sincere guy. So what kind of aliens? Um, I believe he deals with pretty much your your classic alien gray, you know the the big black slanted pointy eyes and the tiny little slits for nostrils and right the uh, tall I think ones those or are, i think ones? those are the ones he deals with are those are the tall ones or short ones i think they're the short ones the short ones okay i believe yeah right right wow man what a That's i mean just trip, interesting man. you know yeah i mean have that happen in front of you like that and again i mean if this is just like you said right after he passes on and here's two books and about stories i mean but nothing like this was ever like documented anything like this i mean we've heard experiences of witness testimony of aliens in their room taking them out so how come this hasn't been documented or was that just not anywhere near uh Hynek's reach well it like i said this all this all really be- became um popular and widespread only after Hynek passed away I, I don't know that he ever heard of any of these stories himself right um and and i think my guess is that he probably would have taken them with a grain of salt. I think he would have had a hard time with some of these bedroom abduction stories um, because there's, you know, there's, there's no proof. Um, and it's a very personal, there's only, there's generally just the one witness. Right. Um, you know, so there's no way to corroborate the story. Uh, so, you know, these, the, the, this kind of abduction case just poses all sorts of questions and issues. And I, I think Heineck would have had a really, really hard time coming to terms with them. So what, was he aware of the Betty and Barney Hill situation? Did oh, yeah. And he interviewed them under hypnosis once. Um, and he, he found them very credible. In fact, he, he had a chance to he had a chance to interview Barney and Betty under hypnosis years and years after their experience. Um, and he was really, really impressed because anytime, and this happened every time uh, Barney Hill went under hypnosis, whenever he was asked to relive the abduction experience, he would panic and he would, a- he would just start asking, can I, can I please wake up? Can I please wake up? I don't want to do this. Wow. And Heineck was very impressed by that. It's hard to fake panic under hypnosis from what I understand. And Heineck, and Heineck had been 
Heineck had been a witness at a lot of these kinds of hypnosis sessions, so he had a pretty good idea, you know, how how they went and 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 you know how to read what was happening. And in the case of Barney and Betty Hill, he was very very convinced. Wow. I mean, he, and let me, okay, let me rephrase that. He was very, very convinced that they had a real experience. He just didn't know what that experience was. Right. That, that's where Heineck always ended up. He was like, I believe these people have experienced something real, but I can't say what it is. Yeah, that's what it comes down to, because you weren't there. It kind there. of is. Wow. Because if you're not there... And then, and then say you are there. People are just going to be like, well, how do we know that you're... Right. Just, yeah, yeah. It's well, this weird, like... What else for him thing. stood out as definitive proof or evidence for him as far as UFOs and aliens existing? Well, you know, there were certain standout cases that he thought really presented some compelling evidence. Uh, one of the big ones was the Lonnie Zamora sighting in Socorro, New Mexico. Oh. Um, this was 1965, I believe. Uh, Lonnie Zamora was a, a local cop in this little town of Socorro. He was out. He was out catching speeders, and he heard an explosion off off the side of the road and drove off into the hills to see what it was, and saw a what he first thought was an overturned car down in a gully, and he parks his squad car up on the ridge and he he clambers down into the gully to see what's going on well actually when he drove up first of all when he drove up he saw two humanoid figures standing outside this thing wearing white coveralls and when they saw him they jumped which is never a good thing to do when a policeman is driving up to you (laughs) but the but you know if you're an alien you don't know that i guess so so at any rate so so zamora gets close to this thing realizes it's not an overturned car it's this gigantic aluminum white egg-shaped object standing on landing struts when he gets up close the two people are nowhere to be seen and this thing starts to roar and flames shoot out of it and zamora goes scrambling back up the hill and hides behind his car uh, his squad car and this thing rises up and just zooms away over the hills um and zamora calls in assistance and a state trooper shows up a little while later and finds zamora essentially in a state of shock just pale as a ghost shaking um they go back down into this gully where this object was and guess what they find they find a charred bush and they find landing pad imprints mm. wow. so Heine- the air force sent Heineck down there as fast as they could get him there um and he he had a funny description of it he said they wanted me to disprove this case before it could become a legend oh wow um, Unfortunately, it became a legend because <laughs> because Heineck couldn't really explain it. There were a lot of theories that this craft may have been um, a test, an Air Force test vehicle in preparation for the Apollo moon landings, that maybe this was a prototype of the moon lander um, because there were a number of, there's White Sands Missile Base and, and Holloman Air Force Base are very, very close to this town. Right. So, so a lot of people thought, well, it's just something from the military bases that got off course. Well, um, wouldn't you think too that UFOs don't, you know, shoot fire out there? <laughs> yeah, generally you know? they know. They, they know. Plus, our lunar lander, if, if you remember what our what the Apollo lunar, lunar lander looked like. After it landed, when it took off again, it left half of it behind <laughs> the landing site, and this thing didn't leave anything behind. It just shot up in the mm. air and flew away. So, like maybe so they were whole, just having that, problems. Like the what's craft, that? maybe the craft was just having problems in this particular time. 
<laughs> well, it was alien. Yeah. It was sure, just having it, a problem. It, it was on fire. They're stopping <laughs> to fix it. Cop man pulled but, up. They had to go find another hill to hide behind. Right. That's what happened. <laughs> All right. You convinced me. There you go. Well, Heineck, Heineck was so interested in this case that at one point he called it the Rosetta Stone of UFO cases because he oh. really thought that this could be this could provide the key to unlock this whole thing. And what really interested in him was that Officer Zamora was just about the most unimaginative person Heineck had ever met. And he was like, and Heineck just felt there's no way this guy right. makes up a story like this. There's no way he imagines a story like this. Wow. He's too square. <laughs> It's true. That's I mean, that, that was Heineck's thinking. Well, and that's that's good thinking, you know. I mean, you have to read mm -hmm. people. I mean, you can, I think you can tell if you're a smart person, you can tell when someone's BSing you. Yeah, I think absolutely. you can, and you can tell if someone's being genuine as well. So, yeah. What was uh, what was the other one? I think you said there was another one. Well, there was an there was an earlier case in the early 1950s called the Tremontan, Utah case and it's where a an, an actual navy photographer so a professional photographer is on vacation with his family they see these white lights in the sky it's broad daylight beautiful cloudless sky they pull over the guy pulls out his movie camera and he takes a movie of this group of 12 or 15 luminous white circular shapes sort of dancing around in the sky like children at play and then one of them zooms away, he gets film of all this, and then these things disappear. Well, he sends his film in to get developed. He, sent, he, he knows it's something unusual, so he reports it officially to his superiors. The movie film ends up getting sent to um, uh, our two, I, I can't remember the names right off the top of my head, but we have two different government uh, photo intelligence labs. And these two labs both go over this movie film frame by frame, virtually pixel by pixel, and they cannot find any th indication that this was faked. And in fact, they find they determine that these objects were creating. They were these objects were luminous. They were creating their own light or reflecting light, and that they, they did. And they claimed that there was no way these objects were airplanes, balloons, or birds. They were something completely foreign to our technology. And this is our top photo intelligence lab coming up with this verdict. This was a big, big case. And, and the Air Force's Project, Project Blue Book, were, they were so scared of it that they just swept it under a rug. They just said, no, no, it's unexplained. And they just, you know, filed it in the big Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, warehouse. Right. So, so nobody would ever find it again. So that was, a, that was the second one. Heineck, wow. was, Heineck was deeply impressed by that movie film and frustrated as hell that his bosses just ignored it. We did. Uh, we had a uh, soundbite from someone who was on the base in Vegas talking about a bunch of lights dancing in the sky. Yeah, that's right. And they all stood up there looking at this, going, you know, the, and this is a military base in Vegas, going, all right, well, who's doing this one? Right. And then they were like, no, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that's what you went, right when you said this, all these dancing lights in the sky, like orbs, like probably maybe even yeah. leaving trails, I'd imagine, because that's what this guy said. He said these lights left trails in the sky. 
Oh, wow. Like, is it? No, I don't think the Tremontan light state. You can look at the Tremontan film online. You can find it on YouTube. It's super easy to find. Oh, nice. Yeah, we'll do that for I, sure. I would recommend anybody look at it because it's, it's really a fascinating movie. That is, wow, that's very cool, man. Yeah. Wow. All right, man. There's evidence out there. <laughs> there is. Oh, yeah. Right? But, there is. But there's also fake evidence out there. Yeah. Yeah. There definitely is that, too. That's you, why Heineck was cool. He's legit, dude. He was on a Steven Spielberg film. Like, <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. Was, what was that connection with Close Encounters? Was he, I mean, because being the inspiration I, I, for the movie, how much was he involved with the actual layout of the movie? Well, this was one of the funnest stories in the book, is that when I, when I started looking through these file cabinets at Kufos in Chicago, I'm looking. I, I just opened up the S file drawer, and a and a file folder labeled Spielberg jumped out at me. <laughs> nice. So of course yeah. I pulled that out and started looking through it. And right at the right on the top in this in this uh, file folder is a copy of a letter that Dr. Heineck had written to Steven Spielberg in like 1975-76, saying uh, in this painfully awkward letter. Heineck is saying, uh, Mr. Spielberg, it's come to my attention that you're using my terminology for the title for your movie. I really wish you had asked me first. <laughs> it's this really, really awkward letter that he sent to Spielberg. Spielberg, and then there was another letter back from Spielberg saying, I'm so sorry. You know, I, I got this from one of my production assistants. I didn't know that it belonged to you. We, we're not going to call the movie that anyway. Of course, they ended up doing that. But um, <laughs> so, they, so over time, they worked it out. They settled their their. I don't know if there ever really were any differences. There were just kind of a little awkward, hurt feelings. Sure. Um, but Spielberg ended up hiring Dr. Heineck as technical consultant on the movie, and um, so and he and they ended up buying the rights to the title "Close Encounters of the Third Kind" and, uh. and the material in Heineck's book from which it came, the UFO experience. So so Heineck did end up being an employee of Spielberg for the movie, and he spent a couple days on set uh, at when they were filming the big climax of the movie at the the secret UFO base. Right. And Heineck, Heineck gets his uh, six-second cameo appearance. He's there. Walking <laughs> He's up to the camera, sort of stroking his goatee <laughs> and fiddling fiddling with his pipe. That's funny. You know, it's funny. I mean, hey, man, that's intellectual, you know, uh, content there, yeah. you know, intellectual property. I'd imagine, you know, yeah. anybody would be a little more like, hey, just ask me, man. All you got to do is yeah. ask me. And it, put me in the movie yeah. for a second. Right. Because so, it's cool and fun. Yeah. So, well, hey. yeah, go ahead, Mark. Oh, I was just going to say. You know, in the end, it worked out pretty well for both of them. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to wrap up the show because we're, we're pretty much almost out of time. I'm, I'm sure this conversation can go a, lo- a lot longer, yeah. I know. But Heidi um, has, has found some music, actually, because... <laughs> Oh, I'll let her because Heidi's an accomplished violinist, and <laughs> and she's uh-huh. all about notes, and and <laughs> and fortunately her her name are actual notes as well. So why don't you go explain that real quick? Okay, so a long time ago I figured out I could do my my whole name is Heidi A Gad, and so I figured out I could play a high D, on and then an, an A for my middle initial and a G A D D. Yes, my initials spell hag, everybody. <laughs> Let me just get it out now. But <laughs> it always, um, everyone's always like, oh, it kind of sounds like Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it does, which is really weird because I'm me. So here it is. Oh, wait, where's the thing? So I just downloaded an app on my phone so I could play it. And that's my name, sucker. Yeah. Wow. 
Whoa, I like that. Doesn't it sound like the kind of, I mean, it's not exactly or whatever, but it does kind of sound like. It kind of does. That is not oh, that it, w- Kevin. Well, no, <laughs> well, it's the main theme of Close Encounters, the third Oh, game. you did find the. Um, <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> the notes for the. Well, I thought you were going to do it for me. I thought you had them by heart. No, you were going to look up the movie clip, remember? <laughs> I'm doing it right now. <laughs> Mark O'Connell, thanks for joining us, man. Let people know again where they can find your book online and, and out in stores as well. Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, and any chain bookstore or independent bookstore. Uh, at some point, uh, we think it might find its way into the Costco sort of uh, region. I know they carry it at Target as well. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty easy to find. Right on, man. I, I found this, too. So I, I, found, I found the thing. Yeah, we're going to see how close Heidi's is compared to... It's pretty close. Now do yours again? Oh, rats. I just lost the app, dude. <laughs> oh. Okay, here it is. Wait. Go ahead. Uh. <laughs> that's good. I like that. That's pretty close. That's, that's, you know. that's eerie. <laughs> right on. <laughs> that's me. All right, Mark. Very cool. I do appreciate your time. and It's been a lot of fun chatting with you. Uh, thank you so much. And um, I'll tell you what, if your friend wants to talk about his experience, man, he can call us up and we don't have to know his name. Yep. <laughs> I will. I'll pass that along. I'll let you know. Yeah, we'd love to hear that story too. That'd be really interesting. Yeah, to hear if you're what, ever in Arizona, if, if he's come comfor- on in, and if he's come, yeah, exactly. Right. If he's comfortable doing that, yeah. If you're when you're out here, for sure, uh, connect with us. Or if we're out there, we'll make sure we connect with you. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks for having me on the show. I really enjoyed it. Right on. Well, we're glad we did too. So, Mark, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Thanks All right. Bye. All right. Later. All right. Very cool. It's good times. <laughs> the wrong song. <laughs> <laughs> What? Stop making fun of me. Oh, it's been a really funny day, Kevin. <laughs> it is. It has been. We have a few minutes left. Um, anything else you want to wrap up before we get out of here? Um, you know, to say everyone out in Florida, hopefully you're safe and, you know, yeah. get out of town quickly. Yeah, dude, all the general um, stuff. Everywhere else in the world, you know, chill down, yeah. man. Just chill yeah. down. Look, keep looking up. That's all you got to do. Yeah, keep looking up. That's another yeah. thing, too. Well, and that's the thing is, like, a lot of times in, when there's big storms like this, People are always looking at it, and so sometimes they see something. Well, they, there's some a lot of storm chasers out there. They always see little bursts of little white things jumping in and out yeah. of the clouds and stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of those kind of videos. So maybe they do thrive on that electricity and that cloud system. Maybe yeah. that is a, I don't know, a gas station for them. Unless, like, they're flying way up high, right? And they're do 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 and all of a sudden it's like... They get sucked in, and they're like, oh, man, what's well, going there's on? There's that one picture you come. showed from the hurricane where the... Yeah, I found that. This guy found that. Yeah, it was, isn't that a secure team? No. It, it wasn't a secure team video? No, it was probably the original video secure team maybe got. Well, I'll tell know. you what. It shows the radar of the clouds, and there's a... Hor- uh, out of nowhere, basically, a horseshoe cloud bu- pops open then disappears. Yeah. And then deep in that circle, in the middle of that, you see a, a white... Little bloop. A little uh, charge of something. Mm-hmm. Something it's, is in the middle of that. Thing. It was really odd. Some people are saying they're they're blowing stuff. They're maybe weather they're, modification, man. It it's could been be that. admitted. There's they even for that Texas thing. They actually um, you think did that, something a couple days before that or explosion like the day before could have maybe yeah, intensified intensify the weather. I think it, it is. They're trying to like sometimes their experiment goes wrong. That's all I'm saying. There's just so much we don't know and. You know, and I mean, I understand why they started doing it to help get droughted areas, yeah. but like you, you don't mess with. The, I don't right, know. Right, because you, you open up that Pandora's box, and yeah, you never know, don't you know can, what you're doing. 
you're not going to be able know. to put it back. And, that's and I'm not a scientist. Maybe they think they know what they're doing, but I don't know. When we talk about nuclear waste, I think uh, um, John Oliver did a bit about that as mm-hmm. far as, you know, we created all this mess, but we didn't figure out a way to clean it up. Right. What's wrong with us? And maybe extraterrestrials <laughs> are like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, exactly. Not yet, people. Mm. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. It was been a lot of fun. Thank you to Mark O'Connell, author of Close Encounters. Man, that was a lot of fun. Yep. You should um, check out his book. It looks real good. Absolutely. Heidi Gad. What's up? You ready to go? Yeah. You ready to blast off? Yep. All right, guys. Everyone out there, <laughs> thanks for tuning in. We do appreciate it. On. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.